I'm Jack Kennedy. And they hit a lot harder in my opinion too. What is up everybody? My name is Caelan McNamara and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. He couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keelan McNamara and Hunter Boss. What an episode we have lined up today. A lot of good stuff to talk about. A great fight night following UFC 264. Islam Makachev headlining against Tiago Moises. Uh, what's a rule change we would like to see is the next topic we're going to talk about, which will be very interesting, one that we are all have a lot to say about. And um, we're going to be going over... The, who we think will be champion by the end of the year in every single division um, and a dark horse in that division for champion or just rising up the ranks. Um, and today we'll be covering men's flyweight to men's featherweight uh, for this podcast today. So let's go ahead and get into it. Main event predictions for this upcoming fight night. Hunter, who do you have winning? Islam Makachev all the way. I feel like it's, it's hard to say Tiago Moses is going to win because we've seen the ability of Islam Makachev. This guy can be world champion right now, you yeah. know? Tiago Moses has some way to go, and I think he's going to be a fantastic fighter in the future. But Islam Makachev is steamrolling his opponents lately. Not only is he mauling people on the ground like Khabib used to, he's starting to get knockouts. It's like Kamzat Chemaev almost, I feel like. Kamzat Chemaev has the hype right now. He has fantastic ground game, and he has fantastic knockout power. Islam Makachev is the same, same way, just two weight classes below in lightweight instead of middleweight. Or welterweight, I guess, because Kamzat yeah. commits at both. But um, Islam Makachev, just fantastic on the ground. Uh, Daniel Cormier actually believes that he is the greatest lightweight right now out of all the lightweights currently. And that's saying a lot because Dustin Poirier just put on a hell of a performance. That means he's better than the champ. He's better than a lot of people. So high praise right there. I know they're teammates, but still, I don't think DC would have said that if he didn't see something in him. Yeah, um, it is Islam Makachev for me. I have nothing but respect for Thiago Moises. You know, he's on an undefeated run of his own, which should certainly not be sniffed at in any way, shape, or form. But Islam Makachev's like a bullet train ripping through lightweight. You know, everybody thought they'd got a reprieve when Khabib finally retired. Bad news, boys. Another Dagestani's headed your way. And his name's Islam Makachev. I could make a very strong argument right now that Islam Makachev is number nine and he could round out the top five at lightweight for me. You look at the four guys that are ahead of him, Dan Hooker, McGregor, Dosanyos, and Ferguson. I think he beats all of them. And I think there's a serious argument that in form right now, Islam Makachev could and should be a top five lightweight. If he puts on an impressive performance against Thiago Moises this weekend, then it's very, it's very difficult to see there being any limit to what Islam Makachev can do. You know, we know there's been opponents that have physically avoided fights with him before because he's that good and because he's that well-rounded. If he goes out and puts another display on against Thiago Moises, then I think you could seriously consider bumping him up to number six or number five. And he could really, I don't see why he couldn't get a title shot by the end of the year either. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this fight is so huge as far as Islam Makachev goes because all of the hype is behind him. I mean, you look at what Habib did, and Keelan, you absolutely nailed it. We're getting a break. No more Habib in the division. We're going to get some stand-up. We're going to get everything now. Islam Makachev is 
the rebirth of Habib Nurmagomedov, and that's because he trains with them. He does everything. He's so good. And honestly, arguably, he has still has room to develop, which is scary at lightweight division in the lightweight division. Um, when you talk about guys that you don't want to face, no one wants to face Islam because of that stylistic matchup. Um, so many people have avoided him to the point where Tiago Moises is in a fight night main event because obviously this wasn't originally the main event, but this is in a normal time. This would be a regular fight night main event. It's a, it's a good main event. Um, Tiago Moises has worked his way up because he accepted this fight. No one else will accept this fight after seeing what now, now Drew Dober is not the highest level MMA fighter around, especially at lightweight, but he is very, very, very good. Um, and you look at what he does on every other one of his fights. He, he's at least in there. Islam Makachev just absolutely ragdolled him for two and a half rounds. I don't know if it lasted to the third. I think it did, but, and they got the submission just by wearing him down. Um, that is just so scary. And whenever you see him on the feet too, he's not necessarily afraid to be on the feet. He's competent up there. He's got a knockout before he's, he's dropped someone really bad before. So he's able to be up there and be competent there. So yes, I agree with you guys. I think this is Islam's fight to lose. Um, and, Really, and you talk about potentially challenging top five opponents. I think if he continues doing what he's doing right now, he could really start climbing the ranks at lightweight and skip a bunch of guys. This is a really weird, rare situation he's in because of the amount of people that won't want to face him that are avoiding him. I think if he gets a really good win tonight, like he's been doing, if he continues what he's been doing, he can jump a lot of those in between guys and get a top five matchup, top six matchup at bare minimum, top seven matchup um, because of just how dominant he is. And because everyone else is avoiding Islam Makachev. And if he beats whoever his next opponent is after that, the entire division is in trouble because that guy can dominate and dominate for years to come. I think. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. 100% because we've talked about in the past here. We want the UFC to have the higher ranked people start challenging the lower ranked people. Yeah. And this is definitely the perfect opportunity to have Islam Makhchev face maybe a number four, a number three, whatever you need to do. This is where this he can, he can come in here because we've talked about in the podcast before. This is the best way we don't have the, uh, the top ranked people just fighting each other the entire time because they were starting to run out of fights to make. But Islam Makhchev hasn't even hit the tip of the iceberg yet when it comes to ranked opponents. So he has so many he can face here. I wouldn't hate a matchup with RDA after this if he wins this. Or even a matchup with Benil Dariush. I feel like there could be both really good matchups. That way, he can skip to number four or number six right there. And if you beat a famous name like RDA, boom, you are you can get a top five match. Easy. If you beat Benil Dariush, you're number four by via beating the number four contender. So there's many different ways this can happen. This is a great matchup for Tiago. Or not Tiago. Uh, this is a great matchup for Islam Makachev. And I just feel like <laughs> it's going to be a one-sided match here. The way Islam fights is he fights just how Khabib describes his way of fighting. He'll drag his opponents into the deep waters and wait for them to tap because Islam just smothers them on the ground. And when he's not smothering on the ground, he is hurting them on the feet. So this is going to be a great fight. I hope it's back and forth, but I don't see it being. I think it's going to be a one-side war with Islam Makhchev holding the spear. Yeah, um, as a fighter, it's one thing getting knocked out and knowing your opponent can knock you out. It's one thing going in with a Charles Oliveira and knowing you can be tapped out. It's a completely different prospect fighting someone who can drag you to depths you didn't know existed and who can just break your morale and make you want to give up. There is no feeling comparable to that. 
in many ways getting finished is better because at least you know you can say it was a clean loss you know and it's over for you but with guys like Habib we've just seen pressure and onslaught and relentlessness that we have seen very very rarely in the past and he's what Khabib has done is light up a new generation of fighter, especially from Dagestan and those regions. And these guys just blitzkrieg their opponents. They're almost like Rottweiler dogs, and they don't stop until you've given up. And that's exactly what I think Islam Makachev is going to do. I think he's going to go out like a pit bull or a Rottweiler. He's going to attack Tiago Moises again and again and again and again until he drags him down. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he dragged him down on the first takedown attempt that he throws. But even if somehow he doesn't on the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, he will keep coming again and again. He will eventually break him, and eventually Moise says is going to get to the point where he knows there is no chance of winning and that's the worst kind of feeling that's what Khabib has been the master of doing and I think his era of parents could have come much sooner than we thought it would if Islam Makachev puts on that kind of performance I guarantee you there are guys higher up who will be taking notice and who will not want to be the next scalp in this guy's record oh yeah I completely completely agree um, Islam is such an, a talented fighter that I think we should just give credit to Tiago Moises for taking this fight where yeah. a lot of guys, oh, facts, else, yes, everyone else did not take it. So, um, credit to Tiago Moises, I wish you the best. But Islam Makachev, I do think, will win this fight just like you guys. So, now let's move on. And this is a fascinating topic that I think, as anyone that's an MMA fan, should at least have this conversation. Um, there's a lot of questionable rules, especially nowadays, what you've seen that's happened, new ones that have been added, ones that have been along, around for a long time, that need amendment, that should either be dropped or, or, or changed a little bit. Hunter, what is your rule change that you would have to MMA? Now, originally, I was going to say maybe to implement the uh, open scoring so that fighters know that when yeah. they're losing a fight, they can try to increase their output and try to finish their opponent so they know they can win the fight. That can cause for more entertaining fights. But then I realized the fighter that's winning and knows he's winning might just try to play it safe. That's so that's the fight. I'm not going to change that as a rule. The one I'm going to change here is that you are allowed to knee down to, down opponents here. I think that this is MMA here. You can do a lot of things in MMA. By being able to knee a downed opponent, this can decrease the amount of ground time and the amount of um, uh, boring wrestling we, we tend to see sometimes. Like we talk about exciting wrestling, like, Islam Makachev or Khabib Nurmagomedov but we see a lot of boring wrestling and a lot of just boring kind of laying on top of another fighter until the end of the round this if you can down to knee opponent this can end the fight a lot faster this is MMA you can always block it if you need to uh there's a lot of different things here like a lot of different um um what kind of how do corporations use the um downed opponent knee to the face like I think I'm pretty sure one allows it if I'm not uh, wrong here i'm pretty one sure championship Bell- allows it yeah one yeah. championship allows it and i think the ufc should also implement this too uh this would make sure <laughs> there's no disqualifications in championship fights you know cough cough Here peter yan <laughs> but um i think that's the rule to change uh if i were to pick another one too obviously it'd be elbows there's but i'm not going to go into that right now because that might be someone else's so my rule change is the knee to the face is being allowed yeah, I think that's a great one to pick. And I think it's one that at least 85% of true MMA fans have a real bone to pick with. So I fully agree with that for sure. 
Mine's a little bit different, but it's one that Hunter has actually touched on there. And it's actually the scoring in relation to wrestling takedowns. You know, we talked about this with the Stephen Thompson Gilbert Burns fight, and it's a gripe that I've had for quite a long time, actually. You know, as I've said before, this is not boxing. This is mixed martial arts. We fully embrace every martial art and we respect all of them equally. But some people abuse the scoring to such a degree that we're getting terribly boring fights. Now, I'm not talking about, and I say this with the greatest of respect, I'm not talking about casuals booing a really good wrestler who's doing work on the ground, trying to advance position, trying to pass guard, trying to go for submission attempts, or at least trying to finish the fight. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about wrestlers who are shooting for takedowns holding people against the cage or just lying literally on top of them for ridiculously prolonged periods of time and then being given the round just for lying on top of someone. The takedown, I agree, in scoring because that's a technique you have to be able to hit in order to get your opponent to the ground. But there has to be a counterweight to that and there has to be a counterbalance with how you score it. If you're just going to score a guy lying on the ground on top of another guy, I mean, there's no advancement of that position. There's no attempt to end the fight. There's no attempt to score strikes or to make your position better. And, you know, it's something to his credit, Kamaru Usman doesn't do it anymore, but he was slated for a year and a half, even two years for doing this exact thing. There's countless wrestlers from years gone by that we can say this about. And it's a really, really big change that I think needs implemented. Obviously, my point about scoring, you can apply to so many areas of the current scoring system. But I think especially with wrestling, it really needs reevaluated because it's almost unfair in a way. You know, if you have a guy who's doing a Muay Thai clinch against the side of the cage, the ref will give you one chance to do work in advanced position and then he'll break it up. But if you're on the ground, it's a completely different rule. He will let you lie on top of your opponent and you'll still be given the round. So I think scoring in relation to wrestling is a very, very big area of fighting that I would massively overhaul. I really, really, really like that. And we've, you've kind of touched on it before and stuff like that. And Hunter, I agree with you with the knee thing as well. Both of those things are sound things that I think we all agree should happen. Um, and another thing, and what mine originally was going to be, but I thought of another one. Um, is the, the 12 to 6 elbows. But that's kind of a no-brainer. It's, just, it's a no-brainer. Because if you go back to why that rule is implemented in the first place, it was looking at karate videos where they were doing this and was breaking like four bricks in half. Eight bricks. So, so just based off of that knowledge and the fact that MMA has been around for a little bit longer than that now, and we've seen what they actually do, I think that it's just a no-brainer. So I won't really touch on that, um, but that's absolutely a rule that should be changed in my opinion. Um, for me, and this is the most aggravating thing watching the ufc or any mma card when they go to a different place they need to make a completely actually unified set of mma rules for every athletic commission not just okay you're in california this is what's going on but then you go to brazil and now there's no video replay or you can only use video replay for whatever it's so horrible you're if you're a fighter and you're completely focused on the fight ready to go and then before you're going into the locker room, the ref is like, okay, look out for this. You can't knee in the head. You can only knee in the head if they have two hands down, not one hand down. Um, if video replay is used for this, whatever. Uh, even even some places still have the different like hand rule because like they changed it to where now you don't just award. You have to tell them up or down or whatever. And that's like a different thing too. So like it's terrible. They need to unify it. 
Um, just stop making it confusing. Stop having these uh, crazy d- differences and stuff. And you have to explain the rule set every single time you roll into the card because just the viewers have to figure out what's what they're looking for within the fight, what a fighter can and cannot do. I've seen on countless times um, where a fighter will have especially and, and this goes back to why i agree with you hunter they should get rid of the the the, the hands down knee rule so many times there will be the you have to have two hands down uh for it to be safe but then uh one hand is is fine or whatever and it's just like it's so it's so aggravating seeing what you can and cannot knee or whatever and it's just for me if you aren't going to do the knee, knee rule you need to have the two hands down and the fight that, that decided that for me was Demetrius Johnson versus John Dodson. Yeah. I remember watching that fight very vividly. If they, if Demetrius Johnson hadn't used that one hand down in a lot of those situations, I think John Dodson would have upset him and won that fight. But he used that rule, and, and that was fine for him using that rule, and John, John Dodson couldn't do it. I actually think he did do an illegal knee once accidentally when it was going on. But that two-hand thing, it just doesn't make sense that you could have one here because you're not on the ground. You just have a hand touching the ground, and people use that. Like, if they have a fingertip there, they'll go to instant replay and say, oh, well, their fingertip was still touching the ground. It's good to go, whatever. So uh, I just – in general, even if the rules are stupid for me, you need to have a unified set just for the fire's sake, for the ref's sake. Honestly, we've seen referees get confused about the rules for the judges' sake. The judges, oh, and everybody needs to help out the judges with what's going on in MMA today. Oh, God. You never know. They need all the help that they can get. Please just let them have one set of rules so they understand what's going on. That's the biggest thing, I think. The rule change I would like to see is a complete set, unified rules for every athletic commission in the world. Wow. Guys, I got to say your guys' shouts were so much better than my shouts. That's not true. I think, hashtag no, praise. I think, okay, okay, okay. I gotta say, okay. I know, I know you're gonna have like defend me and whatnot, but y'all had some great shouts. I gotta say that. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, but, we'll um, take it. We'll take it. I'm gonna say one more thing, like another rule change. I don't know if it's classified as a rule change, but they should add another weight class in between yeah. welterweight yeah. and middleweight, or, or or yeah, you know, I feel like that's been talked about for years. Um, the the Division's getting too deep at welterweight. No one's really wanting to go up to, to middleweight. I mean, we have middleweight fighters, but the, the talent pool is just not as, as deep as the welterweight pool. And I feel like this can be helped solved. And it's not – I know how, why Dana's not doing this, and I get it. Like, you don't want to saturate it like boxing has. You know, we don't want a ton of different weight classes, so you can't keep track of who's champion and who's not champion. But what's one more weight class going to do for this? I mean – it, it's just a valuable thing to do here. You can have another champion here. We can have more double champ status events happening here soon. But I feel like it's just a valid point to make. You know, we need another weight class here. Yeah, that's an interesting point for sure. Um, I certainly don't think it's without merit. I think it's a very good point to bring up. A lot of my gripes really are with judges and, or, well, judges and referees. And, you know, I would never throw referees under the bus because they have the most thankless job in the yeah. world. They're damned if they do, and they're literally damned if they don't. But a big problem with, I think, more referees and judges is enforceability. And I think it actually comes back to Jack's point about the unified rules within all athletic associations. I actually think all of our points interlink through different facets of what we're talking about. I think if you have a unified set of rules, referees' jobs are a lot easier. And one thing I'd actually love to have, even though it's not a rule change, I'd love to have referees have a GoPro camera on them so you can actually see the fight from their perspective. I'd really like to see that come in. But there's so many fights I can think of where fights should have been different because referees didn't enforce the rules properly. Like one fight that 
like I'm I always try to be biased and as far as I can, of course. But one fight that always riles me massively is Holly Home Jermaine Durand to me. Mm-hmm. Like Holly Home got punched after the bell twice, and at least bare minimum, one of those should have been a point deduction. That happens. Holly Home gets the belt that she deserves. Instead, we get Jermaine Durand to me, refuses to defend it, drops it to Chris Cyborg. Referees need to start enforcing rules better. Granted, perhaps the rules should be clear. If Jack's points brought in, then that should not be an issue. But referees seem really, really reluctant to enforce rules. Actually, one other rule that just literally just came to mind there. I want Trevor Whitman's gloves as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm hey, fed up of fingerless real, gloves yeah. too. You see the amount of eye pokes in every pay-per-view. And we went through a period three months ago or so, touch wood, that every single fight had an eye poke in it automatic one point deduction because this is getting stupid now fighters are getting away with this two or three times and if you see an eye poke in slow motion it's a horrible thing to see you know no pun intended honestly (laughs) but if you if you see that and a fighter is getting blinded because their opponent doesn't know to keep their fingers in you need to start bringing in harsher rules because fighters are getting disadvantaged here now, again, can, I think that can be rectified by bringing in Trevor Whitman's gloves. I think they work. I think there's a lot of design to them. So to sort of sum up where I'm coming from, a lot of my rule changes are sort of slightly smaller, but I think all of us have made really, really good ideas there for sure. Oh, yeah, Keila, I completely agree with what you said there. I mean, it's just hard with the refereeing thing because, like, you see that in all sports. The referees will always make mistakes. They, they will be called. But I do see the trend in MMA where they, there is a lack of enforcing the rules, which I think is an interesting thing, which I think, like you said, kind of ties into what I originally said. Like, if they knew what was going on every single time, it didn't have to reassess per thing. But at the same time, that is their job. But um, I do have a lot more respect for referees than I do, say, judges in MMA just because oh, of course so hard. So, um. Real quick, though, Hunter, I want to touch on what you said, because I have had this. It, it's such it, it's such a thing. And I, I don't know if this counts as a rule change or not, but it technically would be. Um, Why not? It's, it's our podcast. We can talk about it, it. it is our podcast. <laughs> we could do what we want. And everybody <laughs> listens to our podcast and gets their ideas off of our podcast. So I mean, we are everywhere. So this, is, this is very impactful. Exactly. Exactly. So, Hunter, I agree with you. I've had this idea in my mind for a while where instead of because the, the weight classes don't make sense the way they are right now. Do it 10 pounds each one, especially with the weight cut that you've been doing. The gap between welterweight to middleweight to middleweight to light heavyweight to light heavyweight to heavyweight is ridiculous. It's so hard for fighters that don't have that type of body type to fit in. So here's what I propose. And and I would think you do 125, 135, 145, 155. Then you go 165, which has been thrown around for division. You change 170 to 175. Um, Then you go 185. Then you have 195, 205, and then you have a heavyweight division, which is um, up to 235, and then you have super heavyweight, which is above that, which I don't think – which is 235 and go above. You, I want to see sumo guys back in the year. Come on. So, so, but yeah, no. On, Our fame <laughs> champ, the sumo wrestler, just died of diabetes. Yokozuna. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I would love to. 
So that's my idea. And I honestly don't think that's too many weight classes because it's all in one organization. Boxing gets confusing because you have a million weight classes and like 50 other different organizations going together. So I I mean, yeah, it's more weight classes, but it's not a ridiculous amount of more weight classes. And it's It's like two or three. It's not bad. Exactly. So that's kind of my proposal. I've had that in my mind for a while. The UFC, Daniel White needs to call me up so I can tell him about it and that we can make it happen. Um, but yeah, so that's just Hunter. I agree with you. That's just kind of my idea about the whole thing. Sumo wrestlers back in the UFC, back in MMA. That's what we want to see. That's what the fans want to see. And in- Ganyu versus uh, the, the the top sumo wrestler. And Ganyu is like three hundred pounds. If there's no <laughs> imagine Derek Lewis not having to cut to oh. two sixty five. What oh a fuck that is. Be insane. Well, no, imagine, that... imagine Ngannou being able to bulk up as much as he possibly. Oh, that's that's what I want to see. I want to oh, see the superhumans coming out. I want to see three Melvin Manhoffs form to one Super (laughs) Francis and Gallagher. Oh, my God. That's actually a great idea. You know, I actually really like that. I think, Jack, what's so great about the point you've just made is people are so fixated on 165, which doesn't make any sense in the current structure. But I think if you change the structure, it makes more sense. Because the thing is with uh, going up 155, 170, and then what people don't realize is, especially people who are new to the sport, 170 to 185 is such a huge gap. If it's 175 to 185, it's so much more bearable. Because if you're a 175 fighter, going up to 185 or coming back down to 175 is not as much of a toll in your body as 185 to 170 is. It's definitely a much harsher difference. So I'm on your side there. And as for super heavyweight, screw it. Let's just have it. Let's have Brock Lesnar not cutting weight. I don't even care anymore. (laughs) Brock Lesnar and Ngannou Bucket. I yeah yeah well okay we all know who would win that one but anyway so um but yeah, no, I, yes. <laughs> um but yeah no I I really think that's a that that it won't happen but I think it should be on the table because the, what people would have would, would be upset about is changing the divisions you're not you're only changing one division and that's 170 because right yeah. now 170 doesn't even make it hasn't it doesn't make sense for that it is that that 70 is a division and and keelan you talked about 155 to 170 is a huge jump it absolutely is how about 185 to 205 and we've literally seen that's insane we've literally seen the the impact that has in israel adesanya versus jan blakovich the perfect example of what such a weight difference uh, uh, between weight classes is whenever they're fighting and um it would i think just more divisions would open up for more champions and you get more champ versus champ fights and stuff like that i just think it would make it safer you know and that's the overall thing the weight cuts how many we just saw not too long ago i I don't remember her name but she totally stepped up there and then just like collapsed and fell back which is such a scary sight um especially and, and and when you're in the top level of mma uh, you're putting everything into it. It's just, it's scary. I think that would make it more bearable. So yeah, great rule changes guys. And now another interesting topic about the divisions of the UFC. Um, and so starting with flyweight, we'll go up to featherweight today. Hunter, who do you think right now currently champion is Brandon Moreno, which by the way, I love that so much. I, I, I can't get over that. What a great moment that was. Um, who do you think will be the champion by the end of the year? And what's a dark horse for who could challenge for the title? I think Moreno will be the champion by the end of the year. I think if Figueredo and him had a third fight, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they did, then I think Figueredo would be the champion by the end of the year, but they're not going to. We've, we, we've had it talked about before. Um, my dark horse, though, it's not going to be Figueredo. It's going to be Cody Garbrandt because he's wow. moving down to flyweight Whoa. here soon. 
And I think he can do a really, he can have, he can make a, such a big impact on this flyweight division with, he can bring in his really high key team alpha male wrestling. And that can also take into hand his knockout power. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be able to carry over. I don't think it's not going to, he's not going to lose a ton of muscle mass here. I know the weight cut we were just talking about, it's brutal, especially from 135 to 125. We've seen it with TJ Dillashaw. It can, it can hurt, but I think Cody Garbrandt can do it. And I think he can be a dark horse for this division. Yeah, I love Flyweight right now, and I could not be any happier for Brandon Moreno. He's so deserving of being where he is now. You only have to look at his story to know, which, of course, all of us already do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Moreno will still be the champion by the end of 2021. Um, but my dark horse is actually a really dark horse. I completely forgot about Cody Garbrandt. If Garbrandt is able to make weight safely and he looks good at 125, I will reassess but I think he's going to struggle to make the weight. And I think that's why the Figueredo fight didn't happen, actually. Um, my dark horse is actually Kai Cara France. Yeah. And I love him. I think he is such a good young fighter. He is such <clears throat> a good prospect. He trains with Israel Adesanya, Eugene Berman, Alex Volkanovsky. He trains with world champions in New Zealand. He is amongst already the elite of the elite in two of the most competitive divisions in the UFC. I think this kid's only going to get better. I think there's a lot of fighters in front of him who he is capable of beating. And I'm not saying he will win, but if I had to bet my money on a night side bet, it would be Kai Cara France. Keelan, I agree with you. I think um, I think I have Brandon Moreno staying as champ. He just looks so well-rounded right now. Yeah. Um, and the reason Figueiredo doesn't fit into this is because he's neither a dark horse, and we don't think he'll get the third fight with within the within the end of the year. So that's why he's not in the conversation, people. So, um. Yeah, Kai Car France is what I was going to say too. And he was actually the one that they were thinking about matching up Cody Carbrandt with with his first Ooh. fight down the flyweight. And personally, I favor Kai Car France in that. Just so well-rounded, got a great camp, and he's a natural flyweight. Uh, you have to look out for the power, but based off of Cody Carbrandt's previous performances, I still uh, I still favor him pretty heavily in that fight. Um, let, let me think. For, so as another dark horse, I would go Brandon Royval, actually. Um, and, and this is an interesting one because he fought Brandon Moreno not a ridiculously long time ago. Actually, not that long ago at all. Um, it was the, the week before, two weeks before he stepped in on short notice to fight Figueiredo, both of them technically the first time. Um, and Royval lost in the first round, but it was kind of, he wasn't getting completely outclassed by Brandon Moreno. It was more of an injury submission kind of deal. Um, I was like a Kevin. Do you remember whenever Kevin Holland threw that guy down and like his shoulder popped out yeah. or something like that? It was one of those situations. So, and I think Brandon Royval with a couple more fights, I think he's a very solid fighter at 125. He's, he's tall, lanky, has great, his uh, great jujitsu submissions. I think he can really climb the ranks. And I, I do think he could be a potential dark horse at flyweight so same thing now for bantamweight very 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 interesting division lots of new faces um the return of tj dillashaw coming up pretty soon keelan i know you're very excited for that uh hunter what do you make 135 all right so i feel like it's very obvious that peter yon is my choice on who's going to be the champion by the end of the year but my dark horse is about to put me in the coffin with Keelan. Oh, no. I think oh, it's no. going to be TJ Dillashaw by the end of the year. <laughs> oh. I, I'm so sorry, dude. Oh, my I love you, oh, Keelan. But I think TJ Dillashaw has so much experience. Oh. And I think his well-roundedness ability and his striking ability and how unpredictable he really is. He matched up against Dominic Cruz. And 
the reason they matched up so well is because both of them are so unpredictable. So I think TJ Dillashaw will do a great job in, in rejuvenating this division and being a total heel of the division, being the bad guy. I think he, he should really take that onto his own and, and really embrace it because he is a bad guy. He's not a good person. And I don't feel good about in saying that I think he's my dark horse, but TJ Dillashaw is my dark horse of the bantamweight division. Yeah, of course he's, he's a got dark the best, horse. He's got the best spies in the game too. He does, well. of course. <laughs> Boom. He's literally a bad guy. It's it's, yeah. it's not much else I could say. What do people do to race horses? Of course he's a dark horse. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I, I think he was going to agree with you, Hunter. Just wait. I mean, he's, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. My heart, my heart hurts here. <laughs> no, um, I mean, bantamweight is one of the craziest divisions I've ever seen, and I almost kind of love the chaos now. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be anybody's real shock. I don't think Aljamain Sterling's going to be the champion by the end of the year, but I don't think Piotr Jan's going to be either. I think it's going to be Corey Sandhagen. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this isn't just because I drafted Corey Sandhagen. <laughs> I truly think he is an elite fighter. Yeah, all right. Yes, it's a little yeah. bit of bias. You got me, right? But I, I think the guy's skill on the feet is almost unmatched. And I think his grind game's criminally underrated. Now, I have nothing but respect for Piotr Jan. I think he's probably the toughest 135 fighter I've arguably ever seen. But a big part of his game is that in the early rounds, he is susceptible to getting hit quite a lot. And you cannot afford to stand on the feet against someone who kickboxes the way Corey Sanhagen does. And let's be perfectly clear, if Sanhagen Purian ever happens, Sanhagen's not going to go out like a tornado the way Aljamain Sterling did and gas out in the first round. Sanhagen's going to be a sniper picking his shots, picking the leg kicks, trying to pick Purian apart, which we haven't seen anybody do successfully. I think he's a good enough fighter to do that. Now, I'm going to throw out a second dark horse, and this this is a really ridiculous pick. I'm very conscious of that, oh, but based boy. on what I've seen of him, I really, really like I him. Already know where, we already know where this yep. is going, right? No, no, you don't. You don't. It's Ilya Taporia. Okay, I stand okay. corrected. Never mind. Like I, was, I was thinking Sean. I was thinking Sean. Oh, God. <laughs> That's where that was going. <laughs> Uh, so if I did, I'd just be buried on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the, no. the three podcast stretch that you would have gone on. Top five for Sean O'Malley, then completely trashing him for a full episode. And then, and then he's going to be the dark horse picture. for the champion. <laughs> no, um, I do think eventually he will be, but it comes back to the whole thing. He needs to fight better ranked guys. But Ilya Taporia, re- wait, hang on a minute. He's featherweight, oh, by the he's way. A, he's a featherweight. Oh, yep. Jesus. I, I had to make sure. I just Googled it. I'm oh. like, yeah, he's featherweight. Oh, God. Yeah, he just Ryan Hall, so. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to like wait until you made your point, yeah. and then I was going to crush it. Okay, but... this is my L. Jack took his last week. I've got mine. There you <laughs> go. It, it is what it is. Uh, it's, we it's don't talk tired. about that. That, 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 that yeah, time is okay. fast. We're, we're past it's, that. It's tired. I'm brain arrived. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're just saying it, yeah. it's getting cut. It's getting cut. It's fine. You have <laughs> no, one dark horse. Yeah. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Leave it on. I, 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 I can give abuse. I can take abuse. It's fine. Uh, so who is my actual dark horse for Bantamweight then? <laughs> just to try and get back on track. I think Sanhagen will be the champion. My dark horse, I'll throw Mirab Devashvili in there. I like that. I like I like Mirab. I think he's a he's rock good. solid fighter. 
I think he's looked really, really good in his last couple of outings. And I think he's tough enough to beat a lot of the guys in front of him. So it is not Ilya Teporia. I've completely screwed myself on the next pick, but it is uh, it is Mirab Devashvili. Uh, that's my dark horse. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, Keelan, if I were you, I would just suck with Ilya Teporia, honestly. Just just like, just like accept that. That's your band weight pick. I mean, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. No. Uh, he's going to make we... the weight cut. I'm pretty yeah. though. And then, okay, I'm also going to pull a Keel in here. I'm going to say, I think Piotr Jan will be the champion by the end of the year, but it's not because I drafted him, all right? That has nothing to do with it at all. (laughs) Um, No, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, I really do think he will be. I mean, when you look at what he's done in the division, and yeah, you can talk about the, the, the... one of the biggest questions was, especially going into the Aljamain Sterling fight and talking about him afterwards was, well, the competition he's faced. Well, yeah, against Aljamain Sterling, if that knee didn't happen, he completely dominates him and potentially even finishes him the way that fight was going. I think Piotr Jan just looks so good. And until I see someone that can actually hurt, actually deliver punishment on him and not just face the absolute just destroyer that Piotr Jan is back, he just like absorbs energy and just like pushes it all back out. Um, Exactly. He just takes it all. So until I see someone that can actually penetrate that defense and hurt Piotr Jan or or at least challenge Piotr Jan in a technical matchup, um, I don't know. And if there was one person to do it, it would be Corey Sanhagen. So that kind of transit. He's not a dark horse, Corey Sanhagen, um, because he's definitely up there. But I think I think he will be challenging for the title by the end of the year. Um, I think he gets past TJ Dillashaw fairly easily. And obviously, we'll have a lot to talk about for that fight. That's going to oh be such God. a crazy fight. Um, but yeah, as far as dark horse goes, I love the Marab shout out. I really do. Um, and that's actually who I was kind of thinking too. It's it's an odd choice um, because he's not very highly ranked. But when you talk about guys that are so well rounded. Um, it, it, he really fits that picture, and and it band away a splash of that with the with the solid wrestling and the solid striking. Uh, it can make a real difference in that division. So yeah, that'll be my pick. And now we're on to featherweight, which we just keep ramping up in these weight classes. It just keeps getting crazier, crazier, crazier. Hunter, what do you think for heavyweight or not heavyweight featherweight? featherweight. Yeah, bit of a okay. difference. Huh? So I think by the end of the year that Max Holloway will be champion. This is because I think. Brian Ortega is going to beat Alexander Volkanovsky in his, their next fight. And then I think Brian Ortega's first title of defense is going to be against Holloway, in which I think Holloway wins like spectacularly. I think it's going to be a closer fight than the first one, but I think it's Holloway's still going to win. He's going to prove he's the featherweight champion. That doesn't mean he's my dark horse because my dark horse is quite dark indeed. My, my dark horse is Bryce Mitchell. Oh, what? Oh, I think he is so crafty All right. All right. and that he is so great on the ground. And if he can, I, his stand-up's already pretty good as it is. We've seen it on the Ultimate Fighter of all places. Yeah. But Bryce Mitchell, I think, is one of the greatest MMA fighters in the featherweight division currently. And he can only get better on, when it comes to striking. I think as soon as he develops a really good striking game, then he is the most well-rounded fighter in that division. And that's just on me. But... Just watch out for Bryce Mitchell's next fights upcoming. He, has, he hasn't fought in a while because he had an injury a little bit far back, further back, but he has done some spectacular shows. He beat Ricky Simone. He he put his opponents in twisters. Like, this guy's insane. You guys got to watch him. Uh, Bryce Mitchell camo shorts. That's where it's at yeah. for sure. That's, that is what's up. Camo um, venom shorts now, hopefully. Ve- Venom, you heard the man. Get I can't wait to see. I can't shorts. wait to see. You know they're going to have to do it. They're like, going to have to. Special yeah. edition. Um, yeah, I'm from the first part of featherweight. I'm I'm very much on Hunter's page here. I do think it will be Holloway. 
Um, Volkanovski Ortega, I can see Ortega winning that just because of the BJJ. I think if it hits the deck, Volkanovski could be in real trouble. But I think Holloway's just on a different planet to 145 right now. In my opinion, he's the greatest 145er of all time. Uh, I think that it's getting much less and less with debate. Now, the dark horse is really interesting because I've already said Elliot Taporia. That was on me for messing that up. I think if you look at what he did to Ryan Hall, he destroyed him. Yeah. And that's a guy who's one of the top jiu-jitsu practitioners on the planet, and he got flattened by Elliot Taporia. Now, my second kind of dual dark horse, I was going to say Giga Chikadze to try and sort of be like, like a sort of niche in there out there. But I'm actually going to change it, and I'm going to go from my boy Edson Barbosa. Oh, I love it. I love it. And yeah. I just think he has got the most savage leg kicks I've ever seen in my life. Probably the most savage body kicks I've ever seen in my life. Edson Barbosa looks like a new man at 145. I think at 155, he was being drowned out by much bigger fighters who were walking at 170. At 140, I think he could have really found his niche. Every fight he goes out, it's a fight of the year, fight of the night contender. And I think if he gets a couple more big victories, he's hovering around the top four. So I think there's very little question Max Holloway will be champion by the end of the year. But my dark horse to fight for the title is Edson Barbosa. And just think of a Holloway-Barbosa fight. Oh, man, that would be unbelievable. Like you said, Edson Barbosa against anyone would be amazing. So let me start with this, though, guys. You're wrong about who will be the champion by the end of the year. It'll be mm. Brian Ortega because Max Holloway will be champion in January. Okay, so that's fair. Line up until, <laughs> nice. until, the end of the, uh, until the end of the year. So Brian Ortega will be the champion by the end of the year, and then Max Holloway in January because uh, this fight's in September. I highly doubt they'll wrap that up because I think Volkanovski Ortega, as much as I do think Ortega will win, I think Volkanovski. We've seen how tough he is. He'll pull on a he'll pull on a show. Um, so they're not coming out of that with no scratches. So. Um, I think that fight takes a little bit to 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 progress, uh, and, and you also you also have to um, consider that Brian Ortega wants to have a full and same with Max Holloway. You want a full championship camp for this, so you're going to want to take some time. So um, Brian Ortega by the end of the year, but I completely agree with you guys. Max Holloway is just an, on another planet right now at featherweight. Um, he he looks so good, and it's just like I think he. I, most of us think he won that second Volkanovski fight, but now he gets a chance again to prove it. Even if Volkanovski beats Ortega, you have to do Volk versus uh, Holloway 3 because who else are you going to put up there? Holloway has deserved it. He's worked his way up. And because of how controversial that second one was, it's not just like two clear victories and then uh, you're giving a guy a third fight. So um, that's that's what I'm saying about that. My dark horse, um, I'm, I'm going to say for me personally, I'm not allowed to say Giga Chikadze. Um, just because as much as he is probably a dark horse, we all talk about so much on this podcast. It's really not like we, we talk about Giga Chikadze. He's been like the O'Malley of featherweight. And again, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Except for he, he, well, is he undefeated? What is he? I think he's had a loss. And right? he doesn't look like six, nine either. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I would like to see. Giga Chikadze grow out some hair and then just dye it all up. Oh my God. Then get, then get the face tattoos and everything. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what, that's what we want to see. But yeah. yeah, and then inform. <laughs> yeah, Giga Chikadze is thirteen and two. Thirteen and two, yeah. So he's not—he's not even claiming to be undefeated. He's good to go. So yeah, I—I I, I think Giga Chikadze really could climb the ranks, and that Edson Barbosa versus Giga Chikadze fight, guys, 
Oh, that's going to be oh. amazing. We keep talking about all these great fights, Pedro Munoz, Jose Aldo, and then they drop this on us. They keep getting, it keeps getting better and better. It's, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be my dark horse, but he's, he's not really, the other one I'm going to say is Arnold Allen. And I yes, Arnold I do Allen. count him as a dark horse. We've he's, seen him. He, he looks is. so, I mean, talk about most well-rounded prospects in the UFC. Arnold Allen has to be up there in contention for number one. He looks so good wrestling on point, striking on point, always delivers, always shows up. Um, I think, I think he really could with one decent name if he gets a win over him i think arnold allen could be a problem because he's getting better every single fight he fights in and now he's putting his name out there and we're seeing some really good uh stuff from arnold allen the one matchup i think we would all love to see but i hope we don't see um is arnold allen versus giga jacadze because i want both of those guys to keep rising as much as possible maybe we see that for a championship one day i would absolutely hate it's like whenever a tournament's happening or something and then you have like two two teams playing that you would think like should they should wait off on um that's what i feel about this do not match them up against each other especially right now where they're still developing in the ufc let them reach their full potential and then match them up later but yeah when you talk about featherweight there's a lot of bright stars in this division, guys that can grow into it. Um, and on all these divisions, the UFC, I think you could argue, has never been more full of talent than it is today. Yeah. And we're all seeing that, and it's all very, very, very exciting. Agreed. I mean, it's so funny, UFC being a, being like this sport as it is. We can say, like, I know they won't be champion right now, but three years down in the line, yeah. Yeah. they could be champion. Like, we don't say that about any other sport. Like, it's so cool how we can kind of just see in hindsight, like we know they're going to be such a good fighter. They have so much potential. You know, I love that about the UFC and I'm so happy we can say that. I mean, I love the Arnold Allen call. Uh, I love Arnold Allen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing else I can say about that. I just think <laughs> Bryce Mitchell, I love Bryce Mitchell yeah, too. Love He's one of my favorite fighters just to watch. We talk about entertaining uh, wrestlers in, in any division. Bryce Mitchell, I think is the most entertaining wrestler in the featherweight division. Like he's scrappy. He's insane. He, He'll get on your back when you're in like full guard. It's insane. It's it's gonna be it's 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 a fun matchup for anyone. Uh, Bryce Mitchell is gonna work his way up in the the title rankings. He already has a lot of followers. Like you know, he has the camo shorts, which is which are his now. Like it's his brand. Let's go. And yeah. um, he owns he, he, camo now. Yeah, he he owns camo, all <laughs> of it for the UFC. Um, he basically he established himself on the Ultimate Fighter. So those who watch the Ultimate Fighter have seen him come up in the in the. Uh, rankings here and everything like that and anyone who's just a fan of brazilian jiu-jitsu in general he has one of two twi- or i think one of three twister submissions in the ufc so if that's not enough like uh to, to really hype you up about bryce mitchell then i don't know what is so just watch out guys yeah bryce mitchell's an amazing young fighter if you don't know you've heard it here you do know now, now you arnold know. allen another rock solid shite I'm sticking with Edson Barbosa because I always said if he can find his true potential and hit his true streak, then it's very, very hard to stop him. And I think we're starting to see that now. I mean, the Burgos knockout, the knockout before that, just unbelievable technique. And Barbosa can literally pull it out of anywhere. Like I said, Dan Hooker fight at 155. One of the most violent fights I've ever watched in my life. Probably should have been stopped around before because of the bloody body kicks. But I'm telling you, Edson Barbosa, if he can find his true form at 45, he can march to the title because he will keep landing on guys who can't hit him. 
But to bring it back to what Jack was saying, it's definitely the most stacked it's ever been. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that in turn goes back to what Hunter was saying about the top guys fighting the lower guys. Because there's no real such thing as lower guys now. It's becoming far more even. We used to really have a top four and then the rest in every division. Now we've got one, two, three, four, five all the way up to 10 and you can interchange any of those names and that's the best way for it to be it's perfect like at 145 we could probably give three different matchups for each fighter just because the division's that good and it's it's just the perfect situation to be in and it's a matchmaker's absolute heaven so sean shelby be grateful for what you've got (laughs) (laughs) oh we all are grateful for that i mean just kind of mixing both of your guys points i mean when you talk about, we just off the top of our heads listed four potential dark horses for the featherweight division, and there's more, and we didn't even list them. These guys are not are not even in title contention yet, but by the end of the year they could be, which is just how crazy. Not only just the featherweight division is, but what the entire UFC is, um, and just it's it's a bright future. We say this every podcast. It's a bright future for the UFC, still growing, very 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 exciting. Um, and what a podcast, guys! Great podcast. Um, as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, listen to us everywhere. We are literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to check us check us out on Instagram at MMA.Island and check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Amazing podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Amazing. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>